بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وأحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا ونفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about Umar ibn al-Khattab and his strict adherence to the Qur'an and to the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah So on the same note, Umar was very careful to make sure that he put the Qur'an over all other speech that the Qur'an always has a priority over any other speech. Once a man came to Umar ibn al-Khattab and this is one of the men who participated in the conquest of the Persian Empire. He came to Umar and he said, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, Inna lamma fatahna al-mada'in asabna kitaban fihi kalamun mu'jib. He said, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, when we conquered Madain, and Madain was the capital of the Persian Empire. When we conquered Madain, we found some writings and there was some very impressive speech in these writings. And then Umar radiallahu anhu, the first question that he asked this man, Amin kitabillah, was this writing that you were impressed with, was it from the book of Allah? And the man said, La, no, it wasn't from the book of Allah. So then Umar radiallahu an, he asked for his stick to be brought to him. So his stick was brought to him. And then he started to recite. He started to recite from the beginning of Surah Yusuf. Alif Lam Ra Tilka Ayatul Kitab al Mubin. Inna Anzalnahu Quran and Arabia la alakum taqilun, Nahnu nakusu aleka ahsan al Kasasi, Bima awhaina ilaka had al Quran, wa in kuntamin kabilihi, lamin al Ghafidin. And in these verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that the verses of this book, the verses of the Quran, Tilka ayatul kitab al Mubin, these are the verses of the clear book, and surely it is a Quran that was revealed in Arabic so that the people may understand. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He narrates the greatest stories in this book. And before this, you were from those who were ignorant. Before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you this revelation, you were from those who were ignorant. So He recited these verses of the Quran and then He said to this man, He said, إِنَّمَا أَهْلَكَ مَنْ كَانَ قَبْلَكُمْ أَنَّهُمْ أَقْبَلُوا عَلَى كُتُبِ عُلَمَائِهِمْ وَأَسَاقِفَتِهِمْ وَتَرَكُوا التَّوْرَاةَ وَالْإِنْجِيلِ حَتَّى دَرَسَا وَذَهَبَ مَا فِيهِمَا مِنَ الْعِلْمِ He said the reason why the people before you were destroyed is that they gave precedence to the books of their scholars and of their religious authorities they gave precedence to these books over the revelation that had come to them. They started favoring the speech of their scholars over the Torah and the Injil. So in the end, what happened? 
these books were not preserved because they didn't give these books the importance that they deserved. So these books got changed and whatever knowledge Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had put in those books, it went away. Because they favored the speech of their leaders over the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he's basically warning our people not to do this. Of course, you respect good speech. You can benefit from good speech, but never let it get to the level where you're putting it over the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should always take priority over all other speech. The speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best of speech and we should treat it that way. So he wanted the people to focus on the Quran. Focus on the Quran and let it always be our main source of good and our main source of guidance. So he was very particular about this, that the Quran should be prioritized over everything else. And as we mentioned last week, he was also very particular in following the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. And he wanted to be as exact and as precise in following the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ as possible. Right? Not just following it loosely, but following it very strictly and very precisely. Once one of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, Imran, Ibn Hussein radiallahu anhu, a great companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He was performing hajj during the khilafah of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu So when he made the intention to perform hajj, he put on his ihram and he made his intention from his starting point instead of going to the miqat and putting his ihram on from there. So wherever he was, wherever he was based, he just put on his ihram from there. So before the miqat, instead of putting it on at the miqat. So he put on his ihram and then he came forward. And when he met Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu an, Umar radiallahu an was actually very angry with him. He was very upset with him and he spoke with him very harshly. And he said to him, Turidu an nas anna rajulan من أصحاب محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أحرم من مصر من الأمصار. He said, "Do you want the people to start talking and saying that there was a man from the companions of Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم who just put on his ihram from wherever place he was instead of putting it on at the miqat?" Right. So it's permissible. It is permissible to put on your ihram before the miqat. Right? It's permissible to do that. And there's no sin in doing that. But Umar radiallahu anhu was so precise that he wanted people to follow the sunnah exactly. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he would put on his ihram at the miqat. So he reprimanded Imran ibn Hussein. Even though Imran ibn Hussein, he didn't do anything haram. It is permissible to put on your ihram before the miqat. Right? But he wanted him to precisely follow the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ and put it on at the miqat. Especially due to the fact that he had status as a companion of the Prophet ﷺ. So the companions are held to even a higher standard than anyone else. Because the companions are those whom we look up to and we follow 
and we imitate, right? So Umar radiallahu anhu, he knew this, that you are a companion of the Prophet sallallahu Maybe if it was someone else, he wouldn't have been as angry. But because Imran ibn Hussein was a companion of the Prophet sallallahu he said, no, for you, even though what you did may not have been haram, it may not have been a sin, but still, because you are a companion of the Prophet ﷺ, you are held to a higher standard and you must follow the sunnah of the Messenger ﷺ exactly and precisely. So this was the strict adherence that Umar had for the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, and he implemented this upon himself and he implemented it upon others as well, especially other companions of the Prophet ﷺ. Once Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, he was giving the khutbah of Jumu'ah. He was on the member giving the khutbah of Jumu'ah. And a man entered the masjid while he was giving the khutbah. So obviously this man, he's late. Because you're supposed to be there before the khutbah starts. You're already supposed to be in the masjid before the khutbah starts. But this man, he came into the masjid while Umar radiallahu anhu was giving the khutbah. Now this man, he was not just any man. He was one of the early Muslims from the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, from the Muhajireen. So he was an early Muslim from the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, and he came into the masjid late this one Jumu'ah. So Umar when he saw this man, this companion of the Prophet ﷺ, and remember the companions are held to a very high standard. So this man, he comes into the masjid late while Umar is giving the khutbah. So Umar radiallahu anhu, he interrupts his own khutbah to address this one man. <laughs> and he says to him, What time is it? What time is it that you're coming in late? And the man understood that Umar radiallahu anhu is upset with him because he came late for the khutbah. So he gave him his reason. He said, Inni shughiltu al-yawm. فَلَمْ أَنْقَلِبْ إِلَىٰ أَهْلِي حَتَّى سَمِعْتُ التَّأْذِينَ فَلَمْ أَزِدْ عَلَىٰ أَنْ تَوَضَّأْتِ He said, I got busy today and I didn't realize the time. I lost track of the time. Until I heard the adhan. I heard the adhan for Jumu'ah. So I realized, oh, I'm late. So I just went home real quick just to make wudu and come to the masjid. So what did the man say? He said, I just went home just to make wudu. I just made wudu and came to the masjid. So then Umar radiallahu anhu, after hearing this reason, what did he say? Wal wudu aydan. You only made wudu when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. What did he tell us to do on Jumu'ah? Waqad alimta anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam kana yamuru bil ghusl. So he got him for two things, right? That you came to the masjid late and you didn't make ghusl. You made wudu only instead. So this was the strictness, the strictness of the adherence of Umar radiallahu an to the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he implemented that on himself and he implemented it upon others as well. Umar radiallahu an, he mentioned that during the time that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was still alive, he, he used to sometimes give Umar radiallahu an some wealth. Some, some money would come in, some wealth would come in, right? And he would dis be distributing it to the people and he would give some to Umar radiallahu an as well. So Umar radiallahu an, he would say to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Rasulullah, I'm really not in need of it. 
you can perhaps give it to someone who is more needy than I am. So once the Prophet ﷺ gave him some wealth and Umar he responded with this same statement. He said, Ya Rasulullah, there are people who are much more needy than I am. I really don't need it. Maybe you can give it to someone who is more needy. And then the Prophet ﷺ gave him some advice. He told him, he said, Ya Umar, when wealth comes to you, when it comes to you without you seeking it or without you asking for it, but it just comes to you, then take it. But if it doesn't come to you, then don't run after it. If it comes to you without asking, then take it. There's no harm in taking it. Spend it on yourself. Spend it for your needs. If you don't need it, then give it in sadaqah. Right? But if it comes to you in a halal way without you even asking for it, then take it. And if it doesn't come to you, then don't run after it. This was the advice that the Prophet ﷺ gave to Umar ibn Khattab. So Umar an, he took this advice and when he became in charge of the ummah, then he implemented the same advice upon the others as well. When the money came into his hands and it became his responsibility to distribute it to the people. Before it was the Prophet ﷺ who was distributing it. Now when Umar had that same responsibility of distributing, he did the same thing as the Prophet ﷺ. So once Umar during his reign, during his Khilafah, he asked Ibn Sa'di, he said, Ma Maluk, what is the wealth that you have? Tell me what kind of wealth you have. And Ibn Sa'di, he said, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, I have two horses, I have two slaves, I have two mules that I use for jihad, and I have a farm that I eat from. I have a farm that grows some, some fruits and I eat from those fruits. That's, that's all the wealth I have. So then Umar gave him 1,000 dinars. He gave him 1,000 dinars. So then Ibn Sa'di, he said, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, I really don't need this. What I have is enough. I don't need this. And surely you can find people who are more needy for this than I am. So maybe you can give it to someone else. So then what did Umar say to this man? He said, take it. He said, take it. Because the messenger of Allah وسلم, gave me wealth as I am giving to you. Just like I'm giving you wealth, the messenger of Allah وسلم, gave me wealth. And just as you have responded to me, like I don't need it, give it to someone else. I also responded the same way to the messenger of Allah But what did the messenger of Allah وسلم, say to me? He said to me, that if the wealth comes to you without you seeking it, without you asking for it, it just comes to you, then take it and spend it on your needs. And if you don't need it, then give it in sadaqah. And if it doesn't come to you, then don't run after it. This is what the Messenger of Allah advised me. So I am advising you with the same thing. So take this wealth. So then Ibn Sa'di, he took it. So Umar he would learn these lessons from the Messenger of Allah and then he would actually practice that upon others as well. This was the strict adherence to the Sunnah that Umar was known for. From the respect 
that Umar radiallahu an had for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Whenever he was in the company of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and he was speaking to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, out of respect, he would always lower his voice, talk very quietly. This is the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I cannot raise my voice in his presence. Now Umar radiallahu anhu, and we've spoken about his description and his personality, he was very strong and his voice was very strong and very powerful, naturally. So naturally he had a very loud voice. But when he was in the presence of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he would consciously make sure that he lowers his voice and speaks very quietly out of respect for the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Such to the extent that it, it would be like he's whispering. His speech would be like whispers. You could even barely hear what he said. So many times when Umar was speaking to the Prophet the Prophet would have to ask him to repeat it. Can you say it again? I didn't hear what you said. This used to happen when Umar would talk to the Prophet He would have to ask him to repeat what he said. That was the level of, of, of respect that Umar had for the Prophet that he wouldn't raise his voice in his presence. Once during the Khilafah of Umar ibn al-Khattab there were some young men in Medina nearby the grave of the Prophet and they were talking to each other and they were talking loudly. And Umar he saw them talking loudly nearby the grave of the Prophet and he went to them with his stick and he said to them how can you raise your voice in the presence of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu So even after he passed away, he, he maintained that respect. That don't raise your voice near the Prophet sallallahu even near his grave. So he said to these men angrily, what are you doing raising your voice talking loudly next to the grave of the Prophet sallallahu And he had his stick with him and was ready to hit them. And then he asked them, where are you guys from? And they said, we are from At-Ta'if. He said, okay, you're from a Ta'if. If you were from Medina or somewhere else, I would have hit you with my stick. But you're from Ta'if, it means you really don't know much better. So I'm going to leave you alone. I'm going to let you guys go this time. And he didn't hit them. Right? So this was the, the level of honor and respect that Umar had for the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. To show the love that Umar had for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and, and how, how carefully he wanted to follow the Prophet ﷺ in every aspect of his life. Once the Prophet ﷺ was gifted a garment, he was gifted an outer garment that was made of dibaj. Dibaj is a type of very fine, smooth silk. Right? And the Prophet ﷺ, initially he put, this, he put this on. Very soft and smooth silk. He put it on for a little while, then he took it off. Then he took it off. And he sent it to Umar ibn al-Khattab. He sent it to Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu an, And he said, Nahani anhu Jibreelu alayhi salam. That Jibreel alayhi salam has prohibited me from wearing this. So silk, it's not permissible for men to wear. Right? So the Prophet sallallahu he took it off. And he sent it to Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu an. <coughs> and when he, when he mentioned that Jibreel alayhi salam has prohibited me from wearing this. And he, and he gave it to Umar ibn al-Khattab. So Umar ibn al-Khattab was surprised that Jibreel has told you not to wear it. And 
you're gifting it, you're giving it to me. So Umar radiallahu anhu, he started to cry actually. He started to cry and he said, Ya Rasulullah, karihta amran fa'a'taytani. He said, Ya Rasulullah, there's something that you dislike, so you gave it to me. And he started to cry. He was very sad. And then the Prophet ﷺ explained to him, to Umar, he said, Ya Umar, I didn't give it to you to wear it. Rather, I gave it to you to sell it. You can sell it off, right? Because women, they can, they can benefit from that. So if you sell it to some women, they can cut it up, you know, and they can use it. It's permissible for women. So he didn't give it to Umar to wear it, but rather he gave it to him to sell it, and he could benefit from the, the money he earns from that, right? But it just shows the... The, the love and the attachment that Umar had for the Prophet that's something the Prophet doesn't want to wear himself and he's giving it to me he felt very bad about that he felt very sad until the Prophet explained the reasoning behind it once during the Khilafah of Umar ibn al-Khattab he met with another great companion of the Prophet Abu Darda very great companion of the Prophet and, and Abu Darda was a man who really abandoned the dunya he, he really had no love at all in his heart for the dunya didn't care about the dunya at all Abu Darda so once Umar he's sitting and having a conversation with Abu Darda and Abu Darda asks him Ya Amir al-Mu'minin do you remember what the Prophet ﷺ once said to you and me. You and me were in a gathering with the Prophet ﷺ and he said something to us. Do you remember that, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen? And then Umar asked Abu Darda, which, which speech of the Messenger ﷺ in particular are you talking about? What did he say? And then Abu Darda recounted the hadith. He said that the Prophet ﷺ said to you and me, لِيَكُنْ بَلَاغُ أَحَدِكُمْ فِي الدُّنْيَا كَزَادِ الرَّاكِبِ That let whatever one of you accumulates in this dunya, what you have in this dunya, let it be just like what a traveler needs for his journey. You know when you go on a journey, you just you know, pack, on, pack a carry-on bag and you go, right? So whatever you need for a journey, that should be what you have in this dunya. That should be the extent of what you have in terms of materialistic things. You don't need any more than that. This was the advice that the Prophet ﷺ gave to you and me. Do you remember this, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen? And then Umar radiallahu an, he said, Yes, Ya Abu Darda. I remember this. I remember the Prophet ﷺ mentioning this to us. And then Abu Darda said, فَمَاذَا فَعَلْنَا بَعْدَهُ يَا Umar." What have we done after the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam? Ya Umar. Now he's not with us anymore. And what have we done? What have we done? We have not lived up to this advice of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Even though Abu Darda and Umar radiallahu an, they hardly had anything in terms of this dunya. But they felt that perhaps what they have, it is more than what a traveler needs for his journey. Even though they hardly had anything, they felt that perhaps it's more than we need. So that's why Abu Darda, he said to Umar, فَمَاذَا فَعَلْنَا بَعْدَهُ يَا عُمَرُ What have we done? What have we done, Ya Umar, after the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam? We haven't followed this advice of his. 
So then Umar radiallahu anhu, he began to cry. And Abu Darda also began to cry. And both of them cried all night until morning, thinking that they had not followed this advice of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam exactly. That is the extent of the love and the respect and the adherence to the sunnah that these men had for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Another very beautiful example, beautiful example of the respect that Umar radiallahu an had for the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam is an incident that happened during the Khilafah of Umar ibn al-Khattab while he was Amir al-Mu'mineen. An incident that happened between Umar and Al-Abbas. Al-Abbas was the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And the home of Al-Abbas in Medina, it was connected or attached to the masjid of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. His home was attached to Al-Masjid al-Nabawi, right? And the house of Al-Abbas had what is known as a mizab. A mizab, it's like a, a drain. It's like a drain that collects water and the water comes out. It comes on the outside of the house through that drain, right? So it collects rainwater and other water so that it won't come into the house. Rather, it will come outside of the house, right? So the house of Al-Abbas, it had this mizab attached to it. And during the time of Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu an, the masjid of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam started to expand somewhat. So now that expansion of the masjid, of the masjid of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, it reached the place where that drain would drain out to. So the water that came out of that drain on the house of Abbas, it would actually come into the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ after the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ had been expanded, right? So the water would come into the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ. All right, so one Jumu'ah, one Jumu'ah, Umar ibn al-Khattab he put on his nice clothes to go to the masjid and to give the khutbah, right? And as he's passing by the home of Al-Abbas, He's passing by the home of Al-Abbas, which is connected to the masjid. Some water came out of that, that drain. And earlier in that day, Al-Abbas, he had slaughtered two birds. He had slaughtered two birds. And of course, there was some blood, right? And he washed out that blood with the water. And that water, which is mixed with the blood, it came into that pipe. It was coming into that pipe and Umar radiallahu an happened to be walking down that path. So the water, it came down and some of it splashed onto the clothes of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu an as he was going for Jumu'ah. And this water, it had some blood in it as well. And Umar radiallahu an he noticed that. So he got very upset. And he thought to himself, look, this drain that they have here, this drain, it's drain. First of all, it's draining into the masjid. And second of all, today, there's some blood with that water that's draining as well. So he was upset and out of his, out of his anger, he went and with his own hands, he removed that drain. He just took it off with his hands. But we don't need this. He took off that drain from the house of Al-Abbas. 
And Al-Abbas, he's noticing all of this. He's seeing what Umar did. So he goes to Umar and he says to him, وَالَّذِي بَعَثَ مُحَمَّدًا صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ بِالْحَقِّ إِنَّهُ هُوَ الَّذِي وَضَعَ هَذَا الْمِزَابِ فِي هَذَا الْمَكَانِ فَنَزَعْتَهُ يَا عُمَرَ Al-Abbas, he said to Umar he says, I swear by the one who raised Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with the truth that it is he, it is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who put that drain in that place. He's the one who installed it there. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu put that drain there. And you're taking it off, Ya Umar? You are removing what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam installed? Now of course, Umar radiallahu anhu, he had no idea. He didn't know that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the one who put this drain on the house of Al-Abbas. But now Abbas told him that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu put that drain there and you took it off. So now, Umar radiallahu anhu, he got scared. What have I done? I took something off that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam put on. Even though his intention was good. His intention was good to prevent this, you know, this water from coming into the masjid of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. During the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that wasn't an issue. Because the masjid had not been expanded to that point. But now that it had been expanded, now the water is coming in. So his intention was good. But he was terrified of doing something that opposed what the Prophet ﷺ did. So what did, what did he tell Abbas when he realized what he had done? What did he tell Abbas? He said to Al-Abbas, he said, he said, I insist, Ya Abbas, that you put that drain back where it was. And in order for you to reach there, I want you to stand on my neck. I will, I will, I will put myself down. You stand on me and make sure that you put your, your foot on my neck. And you replace that drain as it was. And Al-Abbas he said, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, there is no need for this. I can put it back on. I don't, need to, I don't need to use your back or your neck for support to do it. I can put it back on. It's okay. But Umar he insisted. He said, no. He said, you must stand on me, step on me with your feet and put that back where it was. And Al-Abbas, he didn't want to do it. You know, this is, this is Amir al-Mu'mineen. This is the leader of the Muslim Ummah and he's saying, you stand on me and put this back. He said, I don't need to do this. Yeah, Amir al-Mu'mineen. I can put it back on its own. He said, no, you have to. He insisted. And he insisted so much that Al-Abbas had no other choice but to follow his instruction. So Umar radiallahu an put himself down. Al-Abbas stood on him, put his, put his foot on his neck, and he replaced that drain on his house as the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam had originally placed it. This was the humbleness of Umar bin al-Khattab and this was the respect that he had for the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So these are just some snippets into the life of Umar radiallahu an. And you can see the love that he had for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the love that he had for following the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Inshallah, next week we will speak a little bit about Umar radiallahu an and his interactions with the Ahlul Bayt. His interactions with the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We'll speak about that next week, inshallah. Barakallahu fikum. Wallahu alam sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.